Hey, everybody. It's time for another episode of A Call Away. I'm Adam Giardino, one of the radio broadcasters for the Scranton Wilkes-Barre Rail Riders, AAA affiliate of the New York Yankees. Scranton season came to a close earlier this week, and we're going to recap all of that. What happened, frankly, 30 years of Scranton Wilkes-Barre baseball and one of the three or four most exciting games in franchise history happened this past week. It was absolutely incredible, and we'll get you all of those highlights. We're going to get you conversations as well, wrapping up the season with pitching coach Tommy Phelps as he talks about Davey Garcia, Michael King, talk with Phil Plantier, and he chats a lot about the baseball and the effect that he thought it had this season, really what he thought it did or didn't have this season, and manager Jay Bell. We caught up with Jay before game one of the postseason against the Durham Bulls, and though that series ultimately went to Durham and the Rail Riders were eliminated, Jay had some interesting thoughts, especially talking about the memorable, historic, fill-in-the-blank with whatever adjective you'd like, game that happened on Tuesday between Scranton, Wilkes-Barre, and Syracuse. We'll have our final wrap-up of the season from the other broadcasters in the system down in Charleston, Tampa, Trenton, and Adam Marco here in Scranton, Wilkes-Barre. And that's going to put a wrap on this season's worth of content for A Call Away. But we are going to keep you updated throughout the offseason in terms of the minor league baseball offseason. Of course, as we talk in mid-September here, there's plenty of baseball still to go in the regular season up in the big leagues. Plenty of playoff baseball, we hope, ahead for the New York Yankees as well. And we'll keep delivering you the minor league angle on things not only through the early part of the minor league offseason, but that, of course, includes the Arizona Fall League. We'll try to get you some wrap-up conversations, some longer-form conversations with those broadcasters at the different levels that you've been hearing from all season. So don't worry, even if it's not every single week, we will still be getting you content frequently enough to wet your palate through the cold winter months as we get ready for Spring Training 2020. So we're going to take a look at the highlights from the past week, and the highlights begin last Saturday. And for Scranton-Wilkes-Barre, they entered a series against the Buffalo Bisons, leading first place by a little bit over the Syracuse Mets, but not nearly enough as Syracuse ultimately tracked them down on the last day of the regular season. But Saturday was a win for Scranton-Wilkes-Barre, and it was, in fact, a deficit for the Rail Riders going into the fifth inning of that game. And after a run came home on a sack fly, the bases were loaded. There were two outs in the inning, and Ghost K. Coteau came to bat. One, two, driven deep to right field by Coteau, and forget it! Into the rail house, a grand slam for Ghostgate Coteau, and the Rail Riders take an 8-4 lead here in the bottom of the fifth inning as Coteau crushed that one. So that did the trick for the Rail Riders Saturday in a 9-4 victory, and we jump ahead to Sunday, still playing the Buffalo Bisons, and... Michael King was going up against Anthony Kay, who has since gone up to Toronto and made his big league debut. But the Rail Riders knocked Anthony Kay around in what was his final tune-up start before his big league debut. Buffalo scored a run in the first and the second inning, but the Rail Riders were undaunted. They scored twice in the bottom of the first, and then that run in the top of the second tied it for Buffalo 2-2. So we go to the bottom of the second inning, and the bats absolutely exploded for Scranton Wilkes-Barre. They scored six runs on four hits, an error in a hit-by-pitch helped the cause, and so did this swing from Mandy Alvarez. Here's the 1-1 to Mandy. Lined it out towards right field, has some carry on the way back. Roman Fields, warning track, wall, it's out of here! 
carries to the second row of the railhouse. A three-run homer for Mandy Alvarez. And Scranton Wilkesbury breaking things out in a big way against Anthony Kay. 8-2 after two innings, 9-2 after three innings, but Buffalo went on to score 12 runs in the game, and the Rail Riders hung on for dear life. They won 15-12, 27 combined runs on 27 hits in that one. And the Rail Riders, with that win, assured themselves at least of a one-game playoff against Syracuse going into the final day of the regular season. But that final day of the regular season, the Rail Riders lost 5-3. Syracuse won over Rochester. And so, Tuesday, set up a one-game playoff to determine the IL North Division champion as Syracuse came to town and the Rail Riders, they had one of the most thrilling games that I had seen, that anyone at the ballpark had seen, including manager Jay Bell, who with 18 years of big league experience and plenty more as a coach and plenty more as a player in the minors and just probably three decades worth of playing time. And Jay was saying that he had not been around a game that featured a comeback like what we saw on Tuesday. With the season on the line, Syracuse jumped out to a 5-0 lead and ultimately took a 7-1 lead into the bottom of the seventh inning. One run, one hit through six innings for the Rail Riders offense. And then in the bottom of the seventh, things got started, but they got started slowly. The leadoff man in the inning was Kyle Higashioka. Wind up, pitch home. Swing and a smash in the air to left field by Higashioka. This one's back on top of the bullpen and up onto the walkway. And the Rail Riders trying to claw their way back. And a big bolt of lightning by Higashioka. Looking to get it started here in the bottom of the seventh. It's 7-2 Syracuse. That got things started for the Rail Riders trailing 7-2. And ultimately, in the inning, seven straight men reached to begin the frame. An inning that saw the Rail Riders score five runs on six hits and turn a 7-1 deficit into a 7-6 deficit. A one-run game going to the eighth. But then Syracuse scored six times. And so the Rail Riders were trailing by seven runs going down to the bottom of the eighth inning with their season on the line. No other way to say it. They lose season over, you go home, and you don't get to the playoffs. Instead, Scranton Wilkesbury got another big swing leading off the eighth inning from Kyle Higashioka. First pitch to Higgy. Lined out towards center field. Gives it a ride. Braxton Lee looking back, and this is gone. Kyle Higashioka has home runs number 19 and 20 here today. And the eighth inning starts as the seventh did. A solo blast for Kyle Higashioka. Six-run deficit here in the eighth inning. That got the ball rolling, but the Rail Riders still trailed by six runs. And the inning proceeded with a hit-by-pitch and a couple of walks to load the bases. A sack fly brought home a run. A single brought home a run. A walk reloaded the bases. A wild pitch brought a run home. There was an infield single to produce a run. Bravik Valera with the sack fly pop-up to the second baseman deep in foul territory down the right field line. And so it was a one-run game with runners at second and third. Terrence Gore at second base. Mandy Alvarez at third base. The Rail Riders trailed 13-12. They had scored six runs in the inning, and the batter was Eric Kratz. One ball, two strikes, two down. Handholds pitch to Kratz. High into the air to left field, giving chase. Blanco reaches out over top of his head. Alvarez scores. Gore comes across. Eric Kratz to second with a stand-up double. 
Scranton Wilkesbury takes the lead at the bottom of the eighth inning. Are you kidding me? Eight runs across in the home half of the eighth inning. It's 14-13, Rail Riders. It was just an absolutely stunning way for the Rail Riders to punch their ticket to the playoffs. They hung on in the ninth inning as Ben Heller got the side in order. The Rail Riders, 14-13 winners over Syracuse Tuesday afternoon. The playoffs did not go quite as planned for the Rail Riders. They did get swept by the Durham Bulls. First two games down in Durham, North Carolina. The final game at PNC Field in Music. But the season wound up with another playoff berth. And as previously mentioned, it wound up with a playoff berth under the wildest of circumstances, scoring 13 runs in the last two innings to take a 14-13 victory. And manager Jay Bell, as we talked to him before game one of the postseason, we had a wide-ranging conversation, but first and foremost, we wanted to know what was going through his mind and what was going through everyone in the dugout's mind as they fell behind early in Tuesday's game. I think the first time when we got down 5 nothing in the first, you know, I, I, I think that there was a uh, uh, sense that, you know, we had plenty of time left. You had nine innings to go, and, and uh, you know, we've, we've uh, scored a lot of runs this year. We've done a nice job offensively. And so there was no doubt that uh, that we felt like that we could get back into it. Now, that being said, uh, Santana did a great job yesterday and was uh, perfect through three and uh, finally gave up a hit. And then, uh, you know, uh, they, uh, you know, scored a run, we scored a run, and the next thing you know, we're, um, we've got bases loaded with, uh, with um, one out and, and uh, um, you know we've got a chance to we've got a chance to tie this game up right there, and uh, unfortunately we hit into double play. The next half inning we give up six, and uh, it just it was it was the there was no um, after that second time it was like okay, now what 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 next? And uh, you know the guys came out and what was next was was pretty amazing. The best half inning of baseball offensively for this club the entire season at the exact moment in time when you needed it. The innings, the seventh and eighth, were for a little bit almost carving copies of each other. You start with the Higgy home run, certainly that's it, but very quickly you load the bases up. And I've talked to Phil, we've talked to players, we've talked about it this year. Hitting is infectious, you're finding your spots. Maybe the most impressive thing about it was against Steven Nagosik, who's a guy that had given up one run unearned in 30 innings. So the Rail Riders put together their best offensive half inning of the season, all while going against a guy who had not done that all year. It speaks volumes about how this team can build off each other, no matter who's out there against them. Yeah, whenever he came in the game, I looked up at the board, and of course his ERA is up on the board, and and uh, you know it's always it's always a little disappointing whenever you have a guy that's out there on the mound throwing as hard as he does, and and has had a quality season like he has, and uh, and yet. Um, honestly, Adam, uh, whenever I look at this team, you know, there was, there's been different heartbeats this year. You know, uh, Ryan McBroom was a, was a major heartbeat uh, for this team. Um, J.P. Fireisen was a major heartbeat for this team. Um, Trey Ambergay is a major heartbeat. And yet the two guys that really stepped up yesterday, and I, I don't want to take anything away from the entire team, but the two catchers, uh, the oldest guy in the league, and and uh, and Higgy, uh, Kratz and Higgy did a great job yesterday. They really provided 
the spark that was needed in that game. There was not a there was not a moment. You, you asked if there was a if there was a moment that we felt like that we were out of it. I would say that there probably was internally, but um, but uh, the guy that really stayed into the game yesterday um, um, verbally was was uh, was Kratz. And uh, you know, whenever we look at uh, that game, you know, those two guys really were were instrumental in the success that we had. And uh, again, not to take away anything from any of the other guys, they did a fantastic job. We could not have done it without it being a team effort. But those two guys were were uh, were terrific for us. Finally, for you, as we play Durham here, games one and two of this series, playoffs now. Yesterday was a playoff to get us here. You've had plenty of playoff games as a player during your career. You've been to the postseason the last couple of years within the Yankees organization with the respective clubs in Tampa and Trenton. How does today change from, let's say, Monday? How do you change your style? Do you go matchup-based anymore? Is it still the same thing you've been doing all year? Is there any tweak or adjustment you see about how you approach this game, this series? I would say the answer to that is probably yes, based upon the score of the game. Um, if we have a lead, it uh, makes it easier to play matchup baseball. Uh, if we're behind and trying to catch up, it's a little more, a little, a little more difficult. And um, you know, last year um, playing against the New Hampshire team in the Double A um, um, playoffs, they got the lead early and they were able to do just that. And and uh, but it's something that. You know, Tommy and I talk about constantly throughout the course of the game. You know, really, what happened um, yesterday was a little bit of a little bit of matchup baseball. You know, it was kind of forced upon us, but that's that's kind of kind of how it ended up working out. But you know, the guys are you know, it's it's kind of all hands on deck right now. You know, we within reason, and uh, we still have to we still have to um, um, put guys in their best uh, best possible situation they can have to succeed. And uh, also, um, um, we want to make sure that we we uh, we take care of the guys the way they're supposed to be taken care of. So, um, every one of the guys are, are a huge part um, of the success that we've had. You know, the um, the nice thing about uh, what we've got is that uh, they really have enjoyed one another. They have played for each other all year long, and and uh, you know, it's it's. Uh, um, now that we're we're about to get our 85th player in uh, a little bit later, you know, um, everybody has been well received and and uh, has stepped right in and, and and done their particular job to help this team have success. Back inside a call away, Adam Giardino with you, and we just heard from Jay Bell, the skipper for Scranton Wilkesbury, and now it's time to get you a couple of conversations with. The hitting coach and the pitching coach for Scranton Wilkesbury. We'll start with Phil Plantier, the hitting coach, second year with Scranton Wilkesbury. And we talked to Phil about a number of things, but the conversation has to be the new baseball with home runs up over 60% from one year to the next in AAA. There's no avoiding the impact that it had on the game this season. And yet, an interesting perspective from Phil when we talked to him and wondered what he thought the takeaway was from having a new baseball in AAA this season. Um, it's actually become a non-factor because we don't think about it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I think anytime something's different when it first happens, um, you're aware of it, but then you become conditioned to just have it be normal. Um, so I don't think the players really think about it anymore. It's just a new normal. 
Last night we had an opportunity to see Trey Ambergie hit his 22nd home run. And, you know, I, I think for a lot of the guys, the numbers are looking pretty good. What is your assessment on, on the way he's grown as a hitter this year? Wow. From the time Trey stepped into spring training this year uh, in his first big league camp to now, um, he's really transformed himself really well, taken a lot of steps forward. Um, and I think he's done a really good job of taking the experience that he had in spring training, being around the more uh, experienced players, taking in information, just like watching guys work, I thought was uh, really big for him. Because then when the season started and his season started here in Scranton, um, his expectations of how he prepared himself every day changed by being in that major league mm-hmm. uh, spring training. And uh it was a very good learning experience for him, and he's kind of ran with it as the years got on. It feels like every month he's gotten better at something. And uh, from the beginning of the year to now, couldn't be happier with how far he's come, um, which will lead him right into a nice off season, and uh, it'll lead him right into another spring training where hopefully he can look back at a full calendar year and say, hey, I've gotten a lot better. I've, I'm moving in the right direction, and uh, I'm really happy for the season he's put together. So in all of that, as you described, you know, you, you talk about the way he was able to figure out his routine and figure out the way that he can make himself better. That's obviously something when we talk to different players, that whether it's pitchers with Tommy Phelps, hitters with you, they talk a lot about how you make it individualized to them. So in that sense, with a guy like Trey, with any of these other hitters, how are you able to allow them to find the individual thing that will make them the best hitter they can be? When a player finally comes to an honest self-assessment of like who they are as a person, who they are as a player, um, who they are today versus who they could be, um, what's the lowest hanging fruit that, can, that you can chip away at and build and build from Uh, but I think it really starts from uh, um, knowing who you are as a player and not looking too far ahead let's just take care of today keep the blinders on and it's the same thing even though we only have three days left in the regular season we want guys to keep the blinders on don't look up the season's not over like this whole goal is to like let's show up the whole season let's 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 run through the finish line keep the blinders on go through your routines through the course of the day be prepared for the game make your adjustments as you need to don't look up we're joined with phil plantier the hitting coach here for the scranton wilkesbury rail riders we chatted with tommy phelps yesterday and tommy mentioned in the interview that michael king is somebody that has almost taught him a few things or opened his eyes to some things about preparation and is there a hitter are there guys on this team where you can think about something where you had a a moment this year where you thought huh I I actually am I'm going to add this to what I do as a hitting coach because I I learned this from a player I think players teach us things all the time Um, players teach us how to do our jobs nonstop. Um, I feel that if when the players are always giving us information, they're always giving us feedback, sometimes with their body language, sometimes verbally, sometimes, um, you know, when they're out there on the field competing. Um, and so we're constantly learning from players. That's, that's kind of what it helps us get to know them as an individual and, 
you know, be able to work with them. And we'll leave with this. Phil Plantier, the hitting coach for the Rail Riders, joining us on the pregame show. You mentioned we've got three games left in the regular season, postseason, just beyond that. But starting in mid-September, what does the offseason look like for Phil Plantier? It's going to be a different offseason this year. Very privileged to have been asked to contribute to USA Baseball uh, for the Premier 12 tournaments and try to qualify for the Olympics. Um, I get to be the hitting coach. I get to work with a great staff. Uh, I get to work uh, with some really good players and most importantly represent and wear the USA USA uniform. Um, So it's going to be a brand new experience. I've never had the opportunity to do that. Uh, Really looking forward to it. Uh, Trying not to think too much about it right now because we're trying to finish this season out the best we can. And uh, and then when that comes, though, it should be a fun off season. Thanks to Phil for joining us on the radio broadcast. And now we'll segue that from the hitting coach into the pitching coach. Tommy Phelps has long been a member of the Yankees farm system, helping out pitchers. Anyone who's come out of the minor leagues and gone up to New York and had an impact up there, Tommy Phelps has his fingerprints all over them. And the Rail Riders have a couple of guys and Michael King and Davey Garcia that are working their way up to the big leagues soon enough. And a guy in Michael King is where we begin, someone who's coming off of an elbow stress reaction but has looked good in his time back with Scranton Wilkesbury. So is what we see here in 2019 the same thing that we saw from Michael King prior to the injury in 2018? Very similar. Like you couldn't tell he ever had an injury. He's come back uh... – his command has been pretty good, and, and, and his stuff plays. I mean, he's got a late-moving fastball, and he pitches in and out with it, and um, and he's got a good changeup to mix and a good breaking ball. So, I mean, he's a guy that really keeps guys between speeds well because he can execute and throw any pitch in any count, and, you know, that's why he's having success. We talked about this last year and his ability to prepare for a game um and even just walking by him recently where he was getting ready for a start where he had that giant notebook out um are there things that you direct other pitchers to and say hey maybe go take a look at what he's doing in order to to get an idea of how you can prepare yeah i mean all guys are different you know guys to prepare differently have a have a different um thought pattern about how they go about doing things and and how they're going to execute their plan but you know speaking of mike king i mean shoot he is he is locked in he is getting prepared for his next start the day after his previous start and he's looking at the hitters watching the videos um figuring out what pitches he needs to use maybe first time through the order second time through the order if something happens what adjustments he's going to make and go to so he's really prepared and and Anything that happens in the game, you know, whether it goes, you know, it's true or not, he, um, you know, he, he can make the adjustments. And that's what makes him competitive. And that's what makes him, you know, really pro at what he does because he's so prepared and, and you know, it makes the game slower for him. Then it's just a matter of executing. One of the other guys that uh, we've seen now transition into the bullpen is Davey Garcia, the 20-year-old, and he's somebody that I think have had a little bit of growing pains getting to AAA, and so going into his offseason this year, what do you hope that he he works on now that he's he's maybe finding some, uh, some things that he can work on here in AAA? Well, I mean, you know, he's jumped quite a few levels, and he's 20, 20 years old, and, you know, this kid has a lot of aptitude and... Uh, and his makeup's off the charts. Um, that right there is, is he's going to have growth from that. 
Um, you know, I think he needs to take away from this season is what he's been able to do and um, and just keep the focus of, you know, some delivery stuff he's working on and, and you know, just the overall command of his game. And, and you know, being 20 years old, he's, he does a really nice job. And, you know, he's got room to grow like everybody else. But, you know, he's aware of it. And, you know, when he takes it in the off season, he'll be ready to be better next uh, next spring. Tommy Phelps, pitching coach for the Rail Riders, our guest here on the pregame show. Turning to that bullpen, J.P. Fireisen has been such a constant all season long. And, uh, you know, he's a guy that the strikeout numbers are there. He's got the best batting average against out of any reliever in the minors or in in the league at this point this year at 177. Um, Are those numbers impressive to you or are there other things that you are looking at with J.P. to, to measure his success? Uh, you know his th- his stuff has always played. It's just a matter of him being in the strike zone consistently enough. Um, and I mean, you know he he's got an exceptional fastball, and uh, and his slider has really gotten really consistent. And it, it's just a matter of him being able to control the zone consistently. And that's what he's done for the most part this year. And that's what he's going to have to do in the big leagues. And um, you know, every year here, he's gotten better and better. And and you know, you can look at his numbers. He's he's really dominated for most of the season. And um, and he's done a nice job. He stayed focused. You know, not looking too far ahead. And 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 even when he has, you know, his couple games where he has some hiccups, you know, he lets them go now. You know, and uh, so just watching where he's at mentally, how he's grown up um, emotionally, and. Uh, and just his overall approach to the game is is uh, is really taken in and and shown a lot of maturity. And we'll leave with this with just a couple of days to go till the end of the regular season, assuming a two week run through the postseason. Let's look ahead to mid September, end of September. What does the off season look like for you? Um, well, after the season ends, I'll I'll go down to Florida and help out at the instruction league and then you know I I have a son in uh, high school so I help coach their team and and I have a nine-year-old team that really doesn't have a coach so I'm going to be probably coaching that team and and you know and I'll get to watch my 13-year-old play his stuff too so and then I have basketball that starts up I coach a couple teams in basketball in the winter time so you know the coaching doesn't stop. I was going to say, you're going to take a break from coaching by coaching. Yeah. I mean, it's fun. You know, I'm, I'm with my boys more because I don't get to see them as much during the summer. But, I get, you know, I get to be a part of, you know, what they enjoy doing. So, you know, I, I look forward to that every offseason. Back inside a call away, Adam Giardino with you. And it is now time to just about put a wrap on things. It is our final minor league report from up and down the system. Matt Dean down in single-A Charleston, Nick Flamia in high-A with the Tampa Tarpons, John Moses in double-A with the Trenton Thunder, and our very own Adam Marco putting a cherry on top for the minor league report in 2019. So without further ado, take it away, Matt Dean. With this look at the Charleston River Dogs, I'm Matt Dean. The River Dogs have played their best baseball of the year down the stretch, even while out of the playoff chase, just finishing up a 19-10 and 10 month of August while sitting at 72-66 and 66 overall on the year heading into Sunday. This week, left fielder Kanan Smith was named a South Atlantic League postseason All-Star, marking the third River Dog in the past three seasons to be tabbed among the top 11 position players in the circuit, joining Estevan Florial and Chris Giddens. 
think it was awesome. It meant a lot. You know, some of those guys are future big leaguers, and some of those guys are going to be playing this game for a long time. You know, I made great friends, and you know, I'm just happy to be a postseason all-star and bring it back to Charleston, you know, end it on a good note. Regardless of his play, the final two games, the Rockwall Texas product will finish the season batting over 300, making him just the sixth player in Charleston's franchise history to finish above the three-century mark while adding double-digit homers and stolen bases. He joins Tyler Austin as just the second to do so since the Riverdogs have been a Yankees affiliate going back to 2005. Of all those three accomplishments, Smith might be most proud of his 15 stolen bases on the year, which he celebrated on Friday night by flashing numbers one and five to his own dugout after taking his second base of the game. A lot of people didn't think I can get 10, so my goal was to get 10. And then when I got to like 11, 12, I was like, man, you know what, I'm going to get 15, just you know, just so for the all the people out there who don't think I can get 10. So I think it was awesome, you know, achieving that. Can't thank Julio enough and Cisco for working with me every single day. You know, there's something I can just add to my game and bring me more value. With this look at the River Dogs, I'm Matt Dean. With the Tampa Tarpons, I'm Nick Flamia. The Tarpons wrapped up a four-game series in Jupiter with a 7-1 victory over the Hammerheads on Thursday night to win the series, taking three out of four. Prior to the game, however, the Florida State League announced that due to Hurricane Dorian approaching the state, all remaining games, including the postseason, would be canceled. Outfielder Esteban Florial finished the regular season on a high note, going three for five with a double, two RBI, and three runs scored in the finale. After breaking his wrist during spring training this past March, Florial did not begin play with the Tarpons until June. The 21-year-old hit just 198 that month, but improved going forward, hitting 250 in July and 258 in August. Right-hander Glenn Otto started and picked up the win on Thursday, yielding one run on five hits in five and a third, walking one and striking out seven. Otto, along with righty Daniel Bees and catcher Donnie Sands, will now be heading to the Arizona Fall League, where they will join former Tarpon slugger Brandon Wagner and current Charleston outfielder Josh Stowers. First baseman Dermis Garcia and right-hander Miguel Yahuri were named FSL postseason All-Stars this week. Before suffering a season-ending foot injury, Garcia was a midseason All-Star and home run derby champion this year. The 21-year-old hit 247 with a career-high 17 home runs and a career-high 54 RBI in 75 games with Tampa. Yahuri was promoted to Double A Trenton last week. The 21-year-old ranked tied for first in the league with 122 strikeouts, second in ERA at 2.26, and second in WHIP at 1.08, while starting 18 of 22 games played with Tampa, giving the Yankees a reason to save him from the Rule 5 draft. For one final time in 2019, this has been Nick Flamia with the Tampa Tarpons. With the Trenton Thunder, I'm John Moses. Thunder play out the string on their regular season this weekend against the Reading Fine Phils, who on Friday night clinched the second half title and a playoff berth to face off with Trenton in the Eastern Division Championship Series beginning on Wednesday next week. Earlier this week, right-hander Miguel Yahure made his double-A debut at New Hampshire and combined with his start on Saturday against the Fightins has thrown 11 innings, allowing just one run, two walks, and 11 strikeouts. Maneuvering through a lineup he's slated to face again in Game 3 of the Division Series, Yahure retired 16 of 18 to begin his outing on Saturday night, including a strikeout of rehabbing Phillies outfielder Jay Bruce. Catcher Francisco Arcia caught both of his outings this week and reflected on Yahure and the stable of young arms currently at the upper levels of the Yankees minor league system. I love how they work, how, how they look, like the maturity look in the mouth, how they, they control the game by themselves. Um, you know, we got a lot of talent here. We just see in a couple of years, we're going to see a lot of new faces in big league. I don't know if we're going to be with the Yankees, with other teams, but 
I knew I know he they're gonna be in big league soon. First of all, he he sprinted myself when I saw how mature he looked and his routine. You know, uh, he got like really good talent in the mouth. I just let tell him like let me you know follow me um let me do the things behind the play um you're gonna be good. With the Thunder, I'm John Moses. With the Rail Riders, I'm Adam Marco. Heading into play on Sunday, Scranton Wilkesbury has a one-game lead in the International League North. That advantage just recaptured with a 9-4 victory on Saturday night. Both the Rail Riders and Syracuse Mets lost on Friday, remain tied for first place in the division starting play yesterday. Rail Riders took an early 3-0 lead. The Buffalo Bisons tied it with a three spot in the top half of the third inning. Buffalo took the lead. Rail Riders even the score and then forged ahead in their half of the fifth inning, keyed by Ghost K. Coteau and a grand slam. That one two driven deep to right field by Coteau and forget it. Into the rail house, a grand slam for Ghost K. Coteau. And the Rail Riders take an 8 4 lead here in the bottom of the fifth inning as Coteau crushed that one. That's Joe Vasile with the call. With the Rail Riders, I'm Adam Marco. Big thanks to those guys today and all season long for getting their reports into us. And thanks to you for making a call away. Such a fun endeavor. Year one of doing this on the Pinstripe Valley Podcast Network here with SB Nation. It's been an absolute treat to bring you these updates from the minors all season long. The feedback's been wonderful. Yankee fans are so enamored and so passionate about not just the big league success but what's to come and having been able to help turn that corner for some people and take a look ahead at not just what the New York Yankees are doing and trying to win yet another World Series title this season but what that means for the years ahead it's really exciting and shoot with 29 players going on the injured list already this season for New York to set a major league record we have seen Plenty of rail riders and minor leaguers go up to New York this season, have an impact, have an effect, more than we could have ever possibly dreamed at the start of the season, for better or for worse. And with the best record in Major League Baseball right now, a little bit for the better for New York. They are in good hands both now and looking to the future, thanks to the Yankees minor league system. Going to sign off one final time this season here on A Call Away. This is... Not the last you will hear from me. We've got plenty more to come with updates throughout the offseason. We will still be putting out regular episodes of A Call Away, even if it's not on a totally weekly basis like we do in season. But a big thanks to all of you for making this such a fun endeavor this season. I'm Adam Giardino. Follow me on Twitter. I'm at Adam Giardino, G-I-A-R-D-I-N-O. We will talk to you soon enough with more minor league content here on A Call Away.